0: Welcome back to the Computomics podcast, everyone. Our last episode, we discussed the role that industry and academia play in innovation. And this episode, I wanted to have our Director of Global Business Strategy here, Ruth Mays, to discuss some of the ways that we've been able to bring innovation to our clients. If you're interested to hear some case studies of what we have been up to, this is the episode for you. I hope you enjoy. So, Ruth, welcome to the episode. I'm really excited to have you here with us today. Hello, Anna. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I think that this episode will segue really well from our discussion with Kevin. He was really talking about um, his experience working in large academia and in large agricultural institutions and the important role they play in driving innovation. And I think it would be an interesting perspective to then talk about um, what it's like to work for a smaller scale company, a startup that has different aspects and different capabilities. And I thought maybe this would be the right first question for you. Maybe you can just tell us what it's like working for um, Computomics and for a smaller company. I know you also have experience in uh, working for bigger institutions in your career, so you would have a great perspective.
1: Sure, yeah, thank you, Anna. Yes, indeed, I have worked for very large uh, multinational companies, and actually, this is the my first experience uh, in working with a startup company, and I have to say, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, every everything you do counts. So, um, you know, you, you sometimes in these larger organizations become a little bit of a, a, a cog in, in, a, in a big wheel. Whereas here, you have a very focused strategy and specific goals that you're working towards. And it's great when you, you hit those goals and you hit the metrics that, that you, and you feel as though you're achieving. And it's not just about you're achieving and have finding satisfaction for yourself in that achievement, but you're also, feel rewarded as a team and that's one of the things I really enjoy about Computomics that there is this family feel and we do feel like a very close-knit team and, and I really enjoy that aspect.
0: That's true we really come together for for problems and for our clients and for things that need to be done it's it's different than having to come together with thousands of other employees which is rather difficult and it's it's great to just have that ability to all work on an issue together or on a solution or on something exciting
1: yeah you're absolutely right and, and i really enjoy the fact that you know with a smaller team you can have real great brainstorming sessions i'm always a great believer that more heads the better um, <laughs> I, I really like i really like the fact that Um, with Sebastian our our managing director he allows you to be innovative and he allows you to think for yourself and he listens and if you know if you if you find a solution to a specific task or problem then you know he's very open and and very amenable and very accessible to sort of listen um uh, and, you know, we've worked very hard over the last three years to put a lot of infrastructure into the company, and I think we're in a good place to sort of transition into a mid-range company now.
0: Definitely. I am. I agree with you, and it's been great just seeing the diversity of, you know, um, biological problems that come to us from the diversity of clients we've had over the years. To me, that's been one of the most satisfying things is just perpetually expanding my understanding of who is agriculture who um, where are the issues who needs solutions maybe you can sort of give us a walkthrough about our diversity of clients and you know who you've had the pleasure of of working with
1: yeah absolutely and to sort of f- follow on from from what we just discussed as well I think uh, part of of being a proud member of the Computomics team is the fact that we were founded to bring new and innovative bioinformatic tools to industry. And you know we predominantly use our machine learning expertise uh, in finding real solutions for clients. So I think we've completed way over 140 projects now across, I think, 12 countries. And we work on a multitude of different projects across the biotech industry. We work with the seed industry, Uh, the commercial product group sectors, uh, which includes beauty, uh, and across many other biotech divisions as well. So I think our projects can include anything from metagenomics to gene expression analysis, predictive reading as well, which we're well known for, and as well as developing bespoke pipelines, which can include anything from, I think, GBS pipelines we've developed. uh, And of course, we have uh, a pan-genome web browser as well
0: yeah uh, yeah I think that's been so great to to also walk with certain clients or kind of see their um, them advance through these different you know stages let's say maybe we helped them initially with something that was at the very beginning of their journey and we sort of stayed with them through all of their um, through all of their challenges and have really ended up in a great place with them. Maybe you can give us just an example of a case study or success story where we've been able to help our customers that's stuck, stuck with you over the years or something that you reflect on when you think about um, you know, what we do and why we do it.
1: Sure. And yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we pride ourselves on being identified as the company to go to if you have a very difficult, complex biological project or issue, which needs the experience of machine learning and bioinformatic, bioinformatic expertise. So we're best known for our discovery work in predictive breeding. Um, and our machine learning performance prediction technology called mm-hmm. Exceed Score. Now, Anna, as you know, Exceed,
0: exceed Score is very close to my heart. <laughs> yes, so, you put a um, lot of your your heart and soul into it. I know.
1: Yes. So it seems nat- n- natural to give you um, a success story using um, an Exceed Score example. So sure. Um, so yeah, we had one client who wanted to transition away from d- traditional blubs he wanted to really make a step change in his um in his focus and in his attitude to breeding and and he really wanted to really make some real um exponential gains with uh, yields and yield increases and he wanted to to look at implementing our machine learning technology but he only had some limited amounts of genotype and phenotype data So I think people talk a lot about data nowadays, but they don't talk talk enough about the right data. So this was a client who had an open pollinated crop. And as we know, historically, a lot of material gets discarded, which actually for machine learning is useful. Um, But we worked with the client to generate enough data to start with making initial processes to generate robust parents. You don't need a real abundance of, I think the perception
0: is you need tons and tons and tons of data. I think that's to, probably um, the, the fear more than the perception, right? It's it's always it, it, the, indeed, the hesitation. That, maybe, maybe we are gonna enter into this discussion with Computomics and uh, feel foolish that we came with, you know, with this subpar quantity and, you know, what is really enough and how do I know that I'm enough? Is. It's almost like that discussion of it being enough. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And as you know, we're sort of very used to that now. So we work with clients across the, the spectrum, clients who have very, very small amounts of data. And we offer a consultancy where we, we actually work with them to build the right robust data sets. And And people take, you know, we take, a, there's a lot of digital um, uh, phenotyping ongoing now so we actually can advise clients how much is enough you know mm-hmm. because y- you want you want to make as many cost savings uh, especially with phenotyping as you possibly can so we we've optimized um, the sort of protocols we can tell you how much data is enough uh, and, and you don't actually need um, a, a tons and tons of, of of data for to enable machine learning uh, but you need to have the right kind of data so when you're talking of course uh, I think I mentioned this is an open pollinated crop so obviously you need to start off with um, a training data set and a, tar- and a target data set so obviously the, the training data set looks at uh, what you've got now and the target training tra- data set is where you want to go what you want to achieve within Mm -hmm. your breeding program so as i mentioned we worked with this client to generate enough data to start with making initial crosses to generate robust parents we then crossed these and created the first generation Uh, we used our machine learning technology to simulate millions of crosses so simulate crosses to identify the best progeny that obviously uh, had the um traits such as yield, uh, early flowering time that the breeder was really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use these to sort of develop populations and then we performed early generation testing to be able to identify all of the elite genetics for the traits that the breeder was most interested in. And as you know, Anna, as the technology looks at each marker and combinations of markers, we're able to identify the elite lines which can escalate through the breeders, uh, pre-commercial sort of pipelines. Uh, The technology can identify what a homozygous F2 will look like at heterozygous F4. So obviously this allows you to escalate the really elite lines through your pipelines very quickly and obviously Progeny from this cycle can can go on to be parents in the next cycle, mm-hmm. uh, but it also allows you to sort of discard the low performance very quickly. I'm no breeder, Anna, but I understand that heterozygous f- <laughs> F2, <laughs> exactly. But I understand that heterozygous F2 plants can be look can, can look pretty. Well, you can't really identify the good from the bad. So you are so you are um, really. You know, you're, you're just in a guessing quandary, what, let's say, ex- right? In, yeah, in, indeed. And you're you're hoping to pick what the best, um, but the actual technology allows you to tell you what is genetically best at F two. Mm-hmm. So you're only escalating these really elite genetics, um, uh, and then of course you're discarding the the not so good very early on.
0: So I guess the the question begs to be answered: um, Did it did it work out? You know, so.
1: I think we're on year three with this particular breeder, so so yes, it's working out very well.
0: Okay, great. And do you feel like that story sticks out in your mind just because, uh, was there maybe an initial hesitation or what was the real, you know, what really drives it home for you? What is the thing that you think about the most, like if I could just convey this to other breeders of similar open pollinated crops, like I just feel like it would make a huge difference. I think,
1: uh, well, I think there there are two ways really that I look at this. Look at this, and, and if we go back to suitable data sets, uh, and I think that is um, possibly uh, it, people think of of it being a bottleneck that they don't mm-hmm. have the right, the most suitable data sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that isn't actually true. We we work with you to make sure that we can work with what we'll work with what you've got. And if you don't have enough, we will advise you to to generate enough data so that you have uh, the absolute um, data sets. And okay. as I said previously, I you know you're you're building a really good data repository. <laughs> Which obviously will future-proof your business because that that enables you to access all of the genetics within your um, your breeding program. Okay. And and one of one of our consultants he said something to me this morning. He said, um, you know, it's not just um, identifying what's in your gym, Plasm, it's understanding genetically your germplasm, which I think is 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 really important. But I think what you have to realize is that you know the breeders they have all the knowledge, the expertise, and all they need to do is bring any existing data that they have to us. The team here. We work with identifying which line which lines to genotype and the best genotyping technology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we will, as I mentioned previously, provide the most cost effective phenotyping models. I think you know when you're when you're when you ask me, you know, what, what stands out, when what really stands out is is when you go and you meet your breeders and they're hopping in their seat because they're so excited with the <laughs> results that they're getting that 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 is what what makes makes my day when yeah. you're really seeing the results when you get the breeder come back to you and they have a discovery project and they're really starting to think about pushing their their breeding programs in in different directions what they could never conceivably have done without utilizing machine learning, that's what excites me. The fact that this absolutely is a disruptive technology and it can revolutionize your breeding program, that's what really excites me.
0: Yeah, it's almost what it sounds like to me is that it's really that you get to go on that journey with them, right? So you're really, you know, like we've discovered it for ourselves and with every new client or maybe even, you know, clients we've had over the years with their sort of advances, we sort of get to relish in that success over and over again. And it's that journey of celebrating with them and also, uh, you know, really putting them on the on that path that um, that isn't in of itself rewarding right our reputation
1: depends on their success right so it's almost like reflected glory and yeah you know when you see there is a lot of uh, there is a, a a lot of um tentativeness uh, when we have clients start to talk to us they're tentative i mean if you think about how long it takes to establish um, some of these breeding programs and how long the breeding pipeline is from you know from starting off with appearance to actually launching Mm -hmm. a new hybrid or a new variety uh, it could be anything from eight years six years Who wants to disrupt that? So I think when you have uh, a robust breeding program, you you don't, you're you're going to be very nervous and very tentative about introducing new technology. Definitely. um, Because obviously you don't want any disruption. But when you start to to see the results and see the excitement of the breeders, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it it is very, very rewarding. Rewarding,
0: yeah. So maybe a great follow-on to that question um, is then, how would someone start this, you know, sort of this exploratory discussion with us, or the relationship, or um, what can they expect? when they get in touch because usually a lot of the requests do come to you so you are the front the front line of who somebody would talk to so it's great that you're on the podcast people get to hear your voice what would you um you know what would you lead the customer through or just the interested party or you know
1: sure so if you'd like to get in contact we'll talk to you initially about basically what your challenges are what your pain points are what you want to achieve within your breathing program specifically obviously about exceed score here um, um, uh, you can contact me if, for any other project as well by the way. of course but 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 yeah we we will just sort of have an initial we will take you through the technology so you have a really comprehensive overview and understanding of, of, of the technology. Uh, so that's the, the fundamental um, uh, interaction and when, when you understand the technology and how it can work and how it can revolutionize your breeding program, we'll then sort of start to talk about, if you wanna have further discussions, talk about the data, how, how the data can, can fit uh, the technology if you don't have enough data we will work with you we'll advise you how to how to achieve that it usually doesn't take a, a much uh, much more more uh, time and effort to generate the, the correct data sets uh, and then we will sort of discuss you know what traits you're interested in uh, what you want to achieve uh, and then we'll sort of take you on the journey and, and work with you and and what you've got to remember it gets better and better because you're you're getting genetic gain each cycle so so next season is always going to be better than this season yeah uh, uh, and again I think that is it, it is absolutely as you said a journey so we're here to, to help you to access access and exploit all of the genetic potential within your breeding program yeah. great uh,
0: well thank you for that Ruth I think that gives us a great overview and um, we hope to have you back on the podcast
1: Thank you, Anna.
0: So, thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that episode and an opportunity to hear from Ruth. Uh, she's really great to get in touch with, so please feel free um, email her at ruth.maze at computomics.com or always email us info at computomics.com. You can also visit our website and get in touch with us there. We hope to see you back for our next episode.